um, verses 20 to 33, and then John's Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will, will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt him, his family, from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine, Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Um, we can welcome the talented John Orger. Not only is he clever with technology and can lead us in worship, he's going to uh, share the word with us today. Um, can I just pray for you, John? Yeah, is that all right? Thanks. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for John for his preparation and um, pray for him this morning. You'd fill him with your spirit, that you would just, um, just bring life to his words, Lord, and I pray for us, that you'd give us listening spirits, that you would help us to silence any distractions and that we will be able to focus on your word now and you'd speak to us afresh this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Andy. I'm going to take a swig of this water. I should have put the water over there. It was great at worship, wasn't it? So good to, uh, to gather as church, uh, isn't it? To, to experience God's presence together, to, uh, to worship together, to be community uh, together and uh, uh, as if for those of you who uh, have been here over the last few weeks uh, during the course of the summer, you'll know that we've been working through a series uh, which we've been calling Mythbusters, rewriting the fiction in our lives. And in this series, uh, we've been looking at some of the stories uh, that we believe every day, that we take with us in our lives, but actually are maybe the things that when we unpack them and when we uh, look closely at them, uh, we realise that they're kind of more full of myth than fact. And so today we're going to continue uh, in that series by looking at uh, the myth that I must be strong. I must be strong. The belief that we've got to stay in control. The belief that in all circumstances in life we need to have it together. 
the myth that we need to put on the brave front, the British stiff upper lip, you know, that, that sense that really um, deep down there's a conviction that somehow uh, that showing weakness, that showing any kind of vulnerability or emotion, that somehow that's bad. And it's something that maybe uh, can express itself in, in so many different parts of our lives. You might be a parent here this morning, and uh, the reality for you uh, is this. This is your day-to-day life, that you can relate to this, 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 uh, this picture. Uh, this was part of a series of photos that were staged, actually, for a, um, a, a series that a photographer did. There's some great uh, images in, in the series. But maybe you feel like this, this is your reality, and yet you look on Facebook, don't you? And you see other families and other parents, and you feel like your life needs to be this. Quite the opposite. And uh, I don't know about you, but that's quite far from the truth often. Or maybe at work, uh, you go into the office every day, and really you feel like this guy... The stress, you know, all, the, all, the, all the pressures of work every day get you down. And yet you feel that pressure from your boss, uh, from your colleagues, that you need to be like this guy, the go-getter. You know, the one who's going to win those contracts. Or maybe even in church. Do we come to church and often we feel the need uh, to put on a front, even, even here at church, with each other, that we need to be this guy, praising the Lord you know, in all circumstances, lifting our arms, but actually inside, maybe we feel more like this. It's easy to think, isn't it, that somehow we need to be superhuman all the time, that we need to hold it together, that we need to be strong in all circumstances. But I want to suggest this morning that maybe that isn't uh, where real strength lies. Maybe that is simply a myth. So um, together this morning, uh, I want to encourage you to maybe forget what you think you know about strength, about where strength lies, about where strength comes from. And together as we look at this passage uh, that we've had read to us uh, from 1 Samuel, let's really uh, see really where God says true strength comes from. Because I believe that what God says in this passage is a really countercultural thing. That where God says strength really lies is profoundly against the grain of what society says to us. So if you're here this morning and quite simply you feel like a fraud, you feel weak, you feel like you're at the end of yourself, you maybe feel like a swan that on the surface is all graceful and peaceful and yet under the surface of the water there's legs just paddling away, you're just about keeping yourself afloat. Maybe this morning there's some words of encouragement in this passage that we can find together. I want to suggest that this story of David and Goliath isn't so much a story of a, a, a weak shepherd boy defeating a giant as it is a story about a strong God coming through to rescue his people. So there are two main points I want to draw out from this passage uh, in my short time that I've got uh, here this morning. The first is this, how strong you are has nothing to do with how strong you appear to be. I'll say that again, how strong you are has nothing to do with how strong you appear to be. The second point I'm going to come back to in a minute is that how strong you can be has nothing to do with how strong you have been. Bear that in mind. We're going to come back to that in a moment. But first of all, how strong you are has got nothing to do with how strong you appear to be. If you've got the, uh, the passage open in your Bible still, just flick a few pages earlier to, uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, where we see Samuel uh, looking for God's chosen king. At this point, he's searching. He knows that God has appointed a king to be, uh, to be over the Israelites, and he's searching for this, uh, this, this man. And he says in 1 Samuel uh, verses, uh, chapter 16, verses 6 to 7, says this, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed 
stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The last uh, decade or so has seen a huge explosion in the number of comic book superhero movies, and I'm an absolute uh, glutton of pun- for, uh, punishment for these movies. Uh, here are some of the movies that have been out recently. Uh, Iron Man, The Avengers, Thor. Uh, you know, I'm a great fan of, of these movies. And as I was preparing for this talk this morning, I was thinking about uh, the kind of explosion of superhero movies and their popularity. And I was, I was wondering to myself, what is it about the superhero story that makes us want to go back for more and more? What is it that makes them uh, so popular? And I believe that there's, there's something about these superhero myths that taps into our inner psyche, that kind of says to us uh, that there is, there is something more that we can be. Is it because in these stories, that in these characters uh, we see up there, we see people who've had the strength to overcome their weaknesses, Do we find ourselves believing that somehow uh, it's possible to find strength if only we could find our secret identities, if only we could become these superheroes, that we could be actually somebody stronger than we actually are? Are we told uh, in these stories that actually if we just act like a superhero, maybe we could be a superhero? There is a a quote from one of the Batman comics uh, just to keep it really relevant on here, that uh, Batman says in one of the comics, I wear a mask, and that mask is not to hide who I am, but to create who I am. I found that very uh, interesting. Um, I don't know about you, but I wear a mask every day. I don't wear a Batman mask, because that just would be a little strange, uh, or uh, any kind of other mask, but we do wear masks, don't we? Maybe they're, they're slightly more subtle. Do we wear the mask every day of saying the things that we think people want to hear? Do we wear the mask of acting in a certain way because we think that's how you're supposed to act in a certain situation? Wearing a mask, I want to suggest this morning, does nothing more than just present a front, does nothing more than make ourselves look stronger than maybe we actually are. We walk into a crowded room, don't we, and and we're all smiles and we kind of say hi to everyone, maybe inside all we want to do is is run away and and hide. People ask us, how are you? And we smile, don't we? And we say, we're fine. And actually inside we know we're we're crumbling and all we want to do is, is, is cry and collapse. The amazing thing about the story that we're looking at this morning of David and Goliath is that it's not about appearances. How strong you are has nothing to do with how strong you appear to be. Because the strength doesn't lie, does it, in wearing a mask. For Batman, maybe it does. Maybe his mask creates his persona of strength. But the reality is, wearing a mask doesn't make us any stronger than we actually are, does it? And you know what? God knows this. And he tells Samuel to ignore Eliab's appearance. He says, ignore him. Don't consider his height or his appearance, because I've rejected him. Because God's got somebody else in mind. Because for God, it's about who you are, not what you look like. Isn't that such a relief? You know, I know for me, you know, it's so easy to try and present a front, to try and act the role of, you know, I'm this, this person who has certain expectations, but inside I know I'm a fraud most of the time, but I know that God loves me. Look at Goliath's reaction to David in verse 42 of chapter 17. Uh, we had, didn't have it read. We're kind of going to be skipping uh, to either side of the, of the passage we had read this morning. But Goliath looks at, at David 
And he sees him as nothing more than a little boy. Yeah, there's such contempt in those words. It's clear, isn't it, that by appearances, David should be no match for Goliath. But the truth is that just as David didn't need to rely on his appearance, so we don't need to rely on our appearances today. Why? Because strength isn't found in how we look to other people. Um, and I think really there are four dangers that I'd like to suggest in uh, trying to appear stronger than we actually are. The first thing I'd like to suggest is that appearing strong makes us quick to blame other people. That if we're trying to appear strong, if we're trying to say, you know, I've got it together, I'm the one in control, actually as soon as things go wrong, what do we do? We look for other people to blame, don't we? We say it must be their fault, it must be that guy's fault. There's a real danger in that. Secondly, appearing strong can make us look more, quote-unquote, spiritual than we really are. I think this is a real key thing for people who are in church a lot. Do we come into church believing that we need to behave in a certain way, believing that we have a certain expectation on how we should respond during worship, those kind of things? But what about when life is hard? What about when we come into church and we're struggling with a situation and we really we don't feel like praising God because we're confused, because we're angry, do we exist as a church here that allows each other to say, you know what, I'm finding it hard and maybe I don't want to lift my arms in worship because the Bible is full of laments. The Bible is full of people wrestling and asking why. The book of Psalms, David himself, there are so many examples where David says, God, why is this happening? I don't understand. Let's be a church, let's be a community where we don't feel the need to appear stronger, to appear more spiritual, more faith-filled, and really we are. Let's be open, let's be real with each other. Thirdly, appearing strong can limit empathy. There's a quote that I saw. I, I, I saw it originally. Uh, somebody had written it on, on a notice board uh, in one of the London Underground stations, and it, it simply said this, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about, so be kind always. I love that. Every person you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. And I could guarantee that, that really for each one of us here, each one of us will be having uh, certain battles that none of us know about. And so why do we act in a way, why do we believe we have to act in a way where that isn't true? Some people's battles are small, aren't they? Some people's battles are huge. But you know what? I can guarantee you that each one of us, including myself, has things that we are going through that we wish we weren't, things we're trying to resolve, things we're trying to cope with. And appearing strong, trying to put on that front, really limits the ability for us to be empathetic towards each other, to say, how can I support you? How can I love you? How can we be a community where we can help each other in those battles? Finally, appearing strong uh, can stop honesty. The Bible tells us that we are to confess our sins to one another. That means admitting our weaknesses. It means admitting when we get things wrong. It means taking off that mask. And again, being honest, being open, with each other. Wouldn't the church be such a radically different place if we could just stop forcing each other to wear superhero costumes all the time? True strength has got nothing to do with our appearance. It's got everything to do with our hearts. Secondly, uh, as we look through these, these, this passage, how strong you can be has nothing to do with how strong you have been. Have you ever surprised yourself by uh, achieving something that you never thought you would? Maybe uh, there's a phobia that you've uh, wrestled with for, for a long time that you managed to overcome. 
Maybe you never thought you'd be able to give that presentation in front of your colleagues at work. Maybe there's a certain, th- certain thing that you asked to do that you thought, I can't do that. And when you did, uh, you were so pleased with yourself. I had the privilege uh, very recently of watching my uh, eldest daughter jump into a swimming pool for the first time completely unaided. Now, in the grand scheme of things, this is not a big deal. But for her, this was a massive deal. She had, spoke, she had said to herself for a long time, I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be able to be, the, be the, you know, the, able to just jump in without the fear that she would go underwater or the fear that nobody would catch her. And she managed to do it just a few weeks ago. And it was such an amazing privilege to see that, that she achieved something that for so long she had told herself that she wouldn't do. Whatever our pasts hold, there's a truth uh, from this passage that says that not only is strength not found in appearances, it is also not found in where we've been and what we've had spoken over us uh, in the past. Look at verse uh, 16 of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. It says this, For 40 days the Philistine, that's Goliath, came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. The number 40 uh, in the Bible, I don't know whether you know this, has real significance. It's used apparently 146 times uh, through the Bible in some kind of symbolic or meaningful way. And generally the opinion seems to be, from what I can gather from a little bit of research that I did into this, that the number 40 signifies a time of testing or a time of trial uh, within Scripture. And it's also clear in this situation, isn't it, that the Israelites are under a time of testing uh, and trial as there's for 40 days, Goliath is coming forward, he's taunting them, he's threatening them, he's, he's really undermining everything that they believe in. Here they are, they're in a time where their faith is being stretched, it's being tested, and it's a time where the Israelites' weaknesses are all too clear to them. They're looking at Goliath and they're, seeing, they're thinking, how on earth can we defeat this guy here? So what's their reaction? Look at verse 24. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. They fled in fear, which I guess is pretty understandable, isn't it, when you look at their situation. Here's Goliath, this experienced uh, giant of a warrior, and each one of the Israelites looks at their own situation and thinks, how on earth uh, can we stand? So they flee. How often do you feel like, do we feel like we're in a battle and all we want to do is flee. All we want to do is run away. That all we can see is the enemy taunting us again and again and again, every day, wearing us down. And all we want to do is flee. Saul's verdict on their situation, I think, is very telling uh, in this passage, in, in verse 33. As he speaks to David and says this, You are not able to go out and fight this Philistine. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. At this point, Saul is looking at his past, at the past history of the, of the situation that they're in, and he's using that to define his present. He's using that to define where he's going to be and how strong he's going to be. He looks at Goliath's experience as a warrior, and he compares it to David's youth, his inexperience. And the conclusion he comes to is that David simply can't go out and fight him. Do we use our past to define how strong we can be in our present? Does your lack of strength in the past mean that you're going to be weak today? If that's you, then this passage has got such great encouragement for you. Because despite the fact that for 40 days, Goliath had come out every day and he was taunting them, he was threatening them, they were not abandoned, were they? 
They hadn't reached the end of their story. David makes an amazing statement of faith uh, in verse 46 of the same chapter. He says this, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. David knows, doesn't he, that the strength to defeat Goliath isn't found in where the Israelites have been. It doesn't found in their history, in their past experience, because he knows that the last 40 days have left them weak, have ground them down, but he knows, doesn't he, that, that God is going to deliver them when? In this day, this very day, he says. There is a day of rescuing for the Israelites. What an encouragement that must be to them. Their story and their situation up to this point had had no bearing whatsoever on the fact that God is going to come through and he's going to use David to defeat Goliath. This is true for us as well, isn't it? Verse 37, David says this, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Where the Israelites, uh, they, they looked at their past and all they saw was defeat in their present. David looked at his past and his experience and the number of times that God had come through and rescued him and he used that to define how strong he could be today. There is a day of rescue for the Israelites, and there is a day of rescue for us today. The Israelites, they were desperate for a saviour, weren't they? They were desperate for for someone to come and take them out of this situation uh, where they no longer had the strength to be able to stand. They were in a place where they they were believing the lies uh, that were being spoken over them. They were believing the lies that strength or weakness uh, is found in either a situation uh, or how a person appears to be. All that's the, that strength or weakness was found uh, in, in, how they, in their uh, previous experience and what they had been through. And they were desperate for a saviour to come and, and rescue them. Are we desperate for a saviour to come and rescue us as well? Are we in a place where we can admit our weaknesses? Or we can, like the Israelites, say, you know what, we haven't got the strength. We can't fight this battle. We need somebody to come and rescue us? Or do we want to every day say, no, I've got this, I've got this, I can do this, I can cope with this, when the truth is we know deep down that we can't, that we do need a saviour. Psalm 18, uh, verse 1, David himself, uh, it's one of my favourite psalms, Uh, he simply says this, I love you, Lord, my strength. God is our strength. He continues in in the same psalm, uh, verses 17 uh, to 19, he rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. We're here this morning, aren't we? Because we're here to celebrate the fact that Jesus, in the ultimate act of weakness, turned it into the ultimate act of strength. That through what Jesus did on the cross, as we've been singing about in the worship this morning, he demonstrated uh, what true strength looks like. There's a a really interesting, going back to the superhero uh, idea from earlier, there's an interesting book that a guy called uh, B.J. Oropesa has written called The Gospel According to Superheroes. 
Uh, and he says this uh, in that book, whenever the heroes put on their mask or costume, they take on the savior identity as they battle wicked menaces. They point us to the fact that society cannot eradicate evil on its own. It needs the help of a powerful and yet godly redeemer. So I just want to just challenge us maybe this morning and say, are you trying to be the savior of your own life? Are we all trying to be the savior of our own lives? Are we trying to be the superhero coming to our own rescue in our own lives? Or are we going to be honest with ourselves and say that, you know what, we can't be the superhero of our own lives and that Jesus can be, that he is the one who has the strength to come through and fight the battles for us. It says in verse, uh, I think it's verse 47, the battle is the Lord's in this chapter. I'll finish uh, just with these amazing verses uh, from Isaiah chapter 40. We'll use this just to, uh, to close, really, uh, this morning. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives, what? Strength to the weary. Are you weary this morning? and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run, they'll not grow weary, they'll walk, and they'll not be faint. So this morning, I just really just want to leave that with you. Let's not be the superhero of our own lives. Let's not try and be the saviour of our own lives, because there is a much stronger saviour in Jesus. Let's pray together as we close. Maybe the band uh, could come up. Uh, Father, thank you, God, that you are strong. Father, thank you uh, that in you we can find the strength to face our own Goliaths. Thank you that you don't look at our appearances. God, thank you that you know our hearts. And I pray for every person here this morning that you would help us be a community of people who would be real with each other, who would be honest with each other. Lord, I pray that this church would be a place of honesty, of support, of acceptance. God, thank you that we don't need to be strong because in you uh, we can find strength and that you already are strong, God. Lord, build our faith this week, I pray, to know that you walk with us and Lord, just as you rescued your people uh, back in uh, the days of David, Lord, you have rescued us today. Lord, help us to rest in your strength this week, God. Amen.